when we would be on vendor pitches, I worked for a female boss. Uh, we're still really good friends. We'll call her Kay. Um, and, and so I was reporting to her and we would get on calls with vendors giving pitches and we would even introduce ourselves, right? So our titles were out there. If you're paying attention, it was pretty obvious who was in charge and they would go through <laughs> the whole pitch and then they would come at me and ask me like, Oh, Mike, so what do you think? What are next steps? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I'd be oh, like, no. do you not understand that I report to her and she's the boss here? Like you, it, like even if you had a great pitch, you just totally screwed yourself uh, by not reading the room and not paying attention to who the real buyer was. It was, it was really, it was enlightening and disappointing. And welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. This is the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer. And today, our guest is Mike Rogers, the CISO at Hormel. Mike, welcome. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, uh, a little preamble. Why don't you tell us a quick and dirty story about how you got into cyber? Sure. Um, I actually, I've been in IT way longer than I've been in security. Um, so I started out as a systems engineer doing desktop support, software delivery, um, and then ended up with uh, working on Citrix and Active Directory. And uh, all of that kind of kept me going for my probably my first 10 years in IT. Um, had uh, a manager come up to me and, and say uh, at one point, hey, this security stuff might go somewhere. Uh, we need somebody to, to understand the, the compliance frameworks and be able to work with our security team more effectively. Uh, so I went out and learned NIST 800-53 basically to help mm -hmm. uh, make sure that, that we were, uh, the solutions that we were delivering uh, met those requirements before they got in front of the security team. And uh, that led me into an identity and access management position. And uh, yeah, I've been in a bunch of different cyber positions ever since, but really uh, focused on cyber for about the last 12 years. I like to joke over a beer that I was doing it before it was sexy. And then it turned out to be a really cool place to be. So um, yeah, really love the field and, and love what I do. Yeah, glad you're glad you're part of it. I, I do hear that cyber is becoming a thing uh, so um all right well without further ado let's get into it you're on the buyer side which means vendor gets first crack so my first question to you mike is i would like you to name your least favorite outreach argument or persuasive technique so let me give you some examples we can solve all your problems today hey i heard you may have suffered a breach we could have fixed that Here's a gift card, whatever, pick your poison. What's, what's the one that grinds your gears the most? I'm, I'm going to pick two and I've called out the gift card one before. Um, so if somebody says, Hey, we'll give you a hundred dollar Amazon gift card to look at our pitch. Um, it just makes me feel really dirty, right? I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't like that one. I don't dig it. And it just feels like if you have to pay me to listen to your pitch, um, <laughs> is it that good of a pitch? That, that's kind of my take on that one. Um, another one that, that I really hate, and I've seen it less lately, but I, I've seen it enough, is the one where they reach out and say, 
um, hey, we have evidence that you might be breached, right? Or that your confidential information is oh. leaking. We found some evidence out there of confidential information. Uh, and we just want to see if you're aware of it. And for, for us, right, like I feel a duty that if we really are leaking confidential information somewhere, like I need to identify it and put a stop to it. So you, I feel like you kind of have to take the call and then you jump on the call and you find out it's, oh, hey, we found credentials that uh, it turns out, you know, it's something that we knew about a year ago dealt with. It's totally contained and taken care of and, and actually like mm. have completely closed it off. Uh, and now I, I've wasted my time to be on the call with that uh, with that salesperson. And I've kind of I've let them have it more than a couple times on that where it's like, hey, I have a duty to take this seriously. And now you're wasting my time. There's no way I'm buying what you're selling. So that's, well, that's probably my also, least favorite because we have to treat it like an incident. So, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, they pulled the fire alarm. <laughs> then you you came to see what the fire was. Uh, turns out there wasn't. Yeah, I can see how that. Um, it's also like, I mean, George and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but in an industry that needs trust, that's not really the it's not really the right. Oh, the other thing too is like a random, and I don't know about you, Mike, with this, but like some random sales guy that you've never talked to before is just coming up to you, acting like they know you, they know your environment, they know your business, and then telling you that you have a major problem that somehow they can magic pill for you. I, you know, we can, we can speak as ourselves here, uh, one CISO (laughs) to another, I typically have to fight the urge to tell those salespeople to go fuck themselves because why are you, t- why, like, why are you coming at me with this shit? It's, it is offensive. It's an insult to our intelligence. And as well, most of the time these sales guys are like running a script and George can tell you about this because he's seen every kind of bad sales methodology you can imagine. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about, like maybe an inch deeper than the script that they have. So like, okay, cool. Tell me about this. How did you find it? No, no, don't get your engineer. I want you to tell me. <laughs> I I know the feeling. I, I will say, and I we you know, I've listened to to every episode, um, you guys uh, of Bare Knuckles. And so one of the things that, that you guys talked about, and I actually I did some outreach this week. I had a, a business development rep reach out to me with a uh, an outreach that wasn't super canned. So I actually gave him a chance. And that, that's one thing that I do a little bit more after listening to the, the podcast is like, I'll give people just a little bit of a chance. Right. Um, and I, I called him up and I said, Hey, I, I don't want to, I don't want to view the pitch. I don't want to spend a half hour, but I do want to understand what you do. Um, and he's worked in a couple companies. It was really interesting. Cause one, he was telling me about the companies that, you send 500 emails a day and you're getting judged on the metrics of outreaching. And I think George, those are the ones that mm-hmm. they don't know anything, right? They're just guys working in a bullpen, sending a, a canned email again and again and again. Um, this guy was actually saying he sends 12 emails a week maybe and gets like nine responses. Um, so I, I think some people are coming around and starting to, to learn and, and see that what works and what doesn't. So I hope we, we see more of that. Yeah, like George and I, like, we'll we constantly just share funny things that we see all the time, but also good shit. Every once in a while, I'll get a, a pitch from someone 
And I might not be interested in their product or I might not be in a place from a budget standpoint, but I think their approach is incredible. And I think they're awesome. Like thinking about Kayla, right? She's amazing. Just pulling the multimedia approach. You'll other viewers, you guys will, or listeners, you guys will meet Kayla eventually. Shout out to you, friend. If you're listening, I'm sure you are. Um, And then there's other folks too, like our friend Maria, who like we just had on, she also just a pinnacle of doing it the right way. And like we run into these folks who are working in sales and it's not even about the product. I, I fucking, I can't even remember most of the companies they work for, but the way that they approach their business, I would buy from them, whatever the fuck it is they're selling. I don't know, but how do you feel, George? Yeah, I mean, that's the feeling, right? People buy from people. And like you said at the beginning, if you feel icky from the start, like how is that, how are we going to build a business relationship on on ickiness, right? Whereas if we have some rapport, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We may not sign on the dotted line this quarter, but you know, we, we got something to go on. Yep. I don't know if you've seen it, George, but there's in my market, right? There's, there's probably 10, 10 salespeople who I've known them for years. Some of them I've never actually bought anything from, but they just have a cool approach and like, it's just not the right fit, right? One of them's an, an EDR rep. We're using a different product. But if you move to a different company, I'll take the call because I because I know him, I trust him, we have a relationship. So I think some of the kind of old school, the people who've been around a long time really get that it's about trust more than it is about the product you're selling today. I agree. And that kind of is a good transition to, to like the next sort of topic question or whatever was, um, you know, I, I when George introduced the idea of having you on a little, a little bit ago, um, you know, I got really curious as to who you were and your background. And my, I really have to say, man, like it, it seems like you went straight from like school, IT ops, D suite, <laughs> and like in post-sec. Um, so, you know, like I tongue in cheek joke that like my rise from sock analyst to CISO was, was insane because like I did it in four years. I only have an arts degree and no certs for most of my career. So I'm like, how the fuck do I have this job? Um, your CV reads like a superstar from day one. So for those students and young SecOp guys out there, you know, how'd you do it, man? Like what made Mike Rogers so effectively different? And does it take a decade of IT ops work to get a shot to have the career run that you're experiencing? I, I don't think it does, but I think it helps. Um, so I'll say for me, and, and I, I'm very flattered, right? I, I appreciate it. I don't feel like it's been like it's been that kind of rise, but um, but I do, you know, I appreciate that. I, I, um, I, I guess for me, right, it's um, a couple things. I, I in my in a previous role, um, I moved laterally four times before I got a promotion. And so I, I think that's an important thing to consider, right? is, um, especially in a really big company, you know, you'll have a, um, and I, I've worked in some of the, one of the biggest, right? So we had a vulnerability team that was huge, right? Just vulnerability is in the tens of people, right? And you'll have a whole separate identity and access management infrastructure, like a whole team of 50, 100 people managing Active Directory, all your SSO, all your federations, right? Um, so I think in the big companies, especially you, you're bene- you benefit greatly from moving laterally, getting good at several things um, and getting deep knowledge in a few areas. And I, I'm pretty open about what I'm not great at, but then for me is, is making sure 
that somebody who works for me has has that knowledge, has that perspective, and hopefully is is in a um, is confident enough to argue with me and tell me when I'm wrong. So I I think for me it's it's more about like um, enjoying and not necessarily enjoying the ride, but appreciating the ride. Get really good at what you're doing. And, and if you can't move up, move over and do something slightly different and gain mastery. Because mm-hmm. uh, if, if you've been sitting in the same role for three, five, seven years and, and you're, you're not making change, I, I kind of be- I believe that you've kind of ceased learning at that point. Um, so you should be making a move every two to three years, even if it's not up, just move over, get some more mastery and then move up. So I, I feel like I feel like I didn't move that rapidly up, but, um, but now that, that I've been in this position at, um, at my current company for going on about eight months, I, I feel really confident in the position, I think, because of that experience. So, Yeah, that's a good point. I just interviewed a couple of CISOs and they keep saying the same thing is they would intentionally move from like network security to identity access. They would move to acquire new skills. And also if it's a large organization, you're essentially beginning to build the stakeholder relationships that you need to go up vertically, you know? Um, but this actually is a, a good segue into a story that you and I were talking about offline, Mike. Um, and I am really interested in bringing it to our audience, which is you've had some really interesting experiences when it comes to sales outreach with unconscious bias. And uh, I I really want to give you the space to tell that story because I I think it is an undertold story and it probably happens way more often than we know or think. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of these internal and external, but I'll tell you the sales one. Um, and it was, I, I think what prompted us to talk about it, I think it was when you had Eric on, um, mm-hmm. and then we had talked about it after and I was like, holy crap, I can't believe some of the stuff that she's gone through in her career. And I have seen the bias, but I hadn't seen anything like that. But, but what I think the, the story that I had told you about was when we would be on vendor, vendor pitches, I worked for a female boss. Uh, we're still really good friends. We'll call her Kay. Um, and, and so I was reporting to her and we would get on calls with vendors giving pitches and we would even introduce ourselves, right? So our titles were out there. If you're paying attention, it was pretty obvious who was in charge and they would go through (laughs) the whole pitch and then they would come at me and ask me like, Oh, Mike, so what do you think? What are next steps? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, do you not understand that I report to her and she's the boss here? Like you, like, even if you had a great pitch, you just totally screwed yourself uh, by not reading the room and not paying attention to who the real buyer was. It was, it was really, it was enlightening and disappointing. Um, And there were times that, that we would have a, I I would say in internal meetings too. and, And this really woke up, um, just my awareness, right, or, or to try to constantly be aware of that unconscious bias, um, where she would say something and people would just be like, oh, blah, 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 and like, keep talking. And she would suggest a direction that was the right direction. And when I would speak up and say the exact same thing in almost the exact same way, people would be like, oh, yeah, that sounds really smart. We should do that. Um, so I, I see, I, I think women get the the short end of the stick a lot of the time because they're not they don't get the respect that they deserve as technicians sometimes. Um, and 
Yeah, I have another rant, but I'll I'll save it. <laughs> I, I think my favorite part of that my favorite part of that story was you told me that you and she just kind of like let them sink like you didn't correct them necessarily you're just like all right sink or swim <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna do it on yeah, your own we would correct them before we ended the call and but it was mostly like hey you blew it and here's why and we're out see ya um, Oof, and yeah. we'd be IMing in the background like can you believe this is happening again mm, that yeah. is you know what, though like to your credit you did them a service because that's just like Pants on head, fucking stupid. Like, I mean, really, <laughs> it's disrespectful. And it's just like, fucking, what are we doing right now, guys? What are we doing? Like, I, I'd seriously just be like, what is happening right now? It's, you know, anytime after, like, what, 2010? And they're coming mm-hmm. at with, like, that kind of a, of a... Disrespectful is the only word I can come for it, man. I'm just like, what the fuck are you guys talking about, man? She's at the table, too. She's at the table. She's earned the right to be here. Fuck off. Well, it's either... Yeah. It's either- disrespectful or it's also part laziness right so we're talking yes. about you know active listening right mike said they give you the titles and even if you didn't have the titles you got fucking linkedin sales navigator like you can org chart it before you go into the call yeah. <laughs> um i have a yeah. i have a funny story mike i had a co-worker in in the context of you know female co-worker says something crickets male coworker repeats ah has not so my uh my female colleague likes to say when that happens she might chime in and say like oh i'm sorry i forgot to bring my penis to this meeting (laughs) and that usually that usually cuts through all the crap and everyone like it gets really sweaty and uncomfortable for a little bit and then it then like unconscious bias obliterated (laughs) Way to crush people, right? Well, at least when you call attention to it, now it's not unconscious anymore, right? Now it's conscious yeah. bias. So, one hundred percent. Oh god, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess like you know, it kind of it leads into kind of like what I wanted to ask you, but I just fucking I gotta say, man, George, fucking fist bump that lady for me because that's fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and. Uh, I, you know, what, I, you wrote a really good post like a month ago, and I think it was the thing that actually George sent to me. And it was kind of like a how to sell to me guide, which was fucking brilliant, as I'm sure you reached a point of headache where you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to feed you guys the answer and see if you guys actually figure it out. <laughs> um, so I just, I have to say, first of all, your deal breakers like literally spoke to my salty little CISO heart. Um, you made a point that I think needs to be explored more. You know, most security teams just don't add that many new tools or partners realistically in in a given year. Um, Like most of us, though, I'm sure you have two or three tools or potential partners that you'd love to work with, but it'll have to be, you know, like a roadmap item. Um, Mm -hmm. It's particularly cash crunch time in our sector. Instead of the solid list of don'ts that you gave, which, by the way, sales folks listening, if you mind Michael Rogers, like his list is really good. you know, what are the things that a sales rep or a BDR can do to positively win your attention, even if now isn't the right time to buy? Yeah, I think I, so the, the approach matters, um, right. And I, and I think I gave some pointers on that, but, um, I I'll start by saying, I think there are just way too many tools out there and not enough buyers. And I think that makes for a mm. really tough market, 
on on their side. Um, so part of it, and I, I know if you're if you're a you know a BDR listening to this, you know you only have so much choice in, in where you work in the immediate term. But I think looking at the tools uh, if for outreach, right, and understanding well, and this you guys harp on this a lot, right? Is what you're selling real or is it snake oil? Because most CISOs, I hope, right, most CISOs uh, are going to dig right away and try to find out if it's snake oil. Um, so for me, is like having a real product, of course, matters a lot. Um, but then for outreach, I think the the patient approach, um, and there's there's a lot of companies that do this really well. Um, I go to I go to quite a few executive events, right? Locally, there's somewhere we have a couple of conferences, dinners, right? Um, that are really leadership targeted, CISO targeted, and they they cost. I know that I know that they cost money to be there, but usually companies when they're when they're sponsoring an event like that will send their A players, right? So they're mm-hmm. sending the salespeople who understand, like they they know how to act like they've been in the room with a CISO before. They're not going to make a pitch to you over a cocktail, right? They're going to get to know you a little bit. Tell you, and, and they're going to tell you what they do, right? Hey, we're uh, Acme company, and we do this type of cloud security. Uh, is that something that you guys work with? Oh, yeah, like we're we're actually in the market for a product. Oh, cool. Well, I'd love to talk to you when it's convenient for you. Sometime a couple weeks from now, you want to go grab a bite, and and then like we won't go back to business for the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. But the seed is planted, the relationship's real, and they're not in a rush, and they. And, and they're not, they don't need to close the sale next month or next quarter, right? They're, they're playing the long game. So for me, I think it's the soft approach, be comfortable with the long game. And if you're, if you're under massive pressure to make a quota that you have to have this deal next month, I'm not going to be the one to give it to you, right? That's not going to work. And I would ask you to look at your business model and say, why do you need the deal next month, right? Do you have a sustainable business? I think there's there's a lot to unpack there, you guys. So I, I think I probably rambled on a little bit, but that that's how I oh, that's do it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, okay, well, we're gonna take a short break, and we are gonna come back for the brass tax portion of the show. So stay tuned. Hey, listeners, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and follow our LinkedIn page for updates, including a meetup at RSA this year. Now, back to our conversation with Mike Rogers. Okay, we're back. It's the brass tacks portion of it. You heard us, Kvetch. Now it's time to get into some actionable recommendations. So, Mike, you and I have been talking about this. You know, I think that the CISO is the bullseye for most cybersecurity sellers and believe it's the buyer. George A has made a lot of jokes that, you know, we all imagine the CISO just has like this magic checkbook that somehow doesn't have oversight from the CIO or CTO or CFO. They just buy things, right? Um, But you raised a good point also that sometimes the CISO is not actually the ICP uh, or the ideal customer profile that, you know, hands-on tools might be your lieutenants. It might be, you know, a chief architect. It might be SOC engineers. It might be some other person on your team. And they are going to be the ones that actually have to vet and use these tools. So I just want to get a sense of, you know, where should vendors start? You know, if you had to, if again, you had to give some recommendations like, yo, don't cold email the CISO, like 
what would they do instead? Yeah, I think I, I'll use, I've got a couple of, of stories on this one or examples, but one in my opinion, um, and I, I don't know, can we call out vendors who did this particularly well? Yeah, if it's, if it's praise, sure, let's go with that. Yeah, it's, yeah, Whatever it's, doesn't get us sued, Mike, that's it, man. <laughs> um, this is, it, it's probably five to 10 years ago, um, but we had, we were trying to deal with secrets management um, in the it, more of like application development secrets management space, right? So it gets technical pretty fast. So we were, we were work, we had a product that we were, or the security team was pushing forward because it was an existing vendor. They had a good reputation. We went to the developers and they were like, no, 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 we want to use this other tool. We've, we've been working with these guys for a couple months. They gave it to us for free. They made it super easy to use. It integrates perfectly. Uh, and it meets all your requirements. It was, it was HashiCorp who did this. Um, mm -hmm. They've since been acquired and stuff. And I, I think the models changed, but they built a groundswell of support among the application developers who were caring about security. So by the time it got like, they sold it to us, right? Our developers came to us and said, hey, we wanna make our apps more secure. We wanna use this tool, you guys okay with that? And it's like, how can I argue with that, right? As a leader, how can I argue with that? Um, so I think that was a really good approach. It was a patient approach, but it really, I think it really paid off for them. I think for me too, it's, it's understanding as a salesperson that I have stakeholders, right? I'm, I probably have the, the discretion to make the decision on the product, but I'm, I'm working on one right now, right? Where we're, we're solving a problem and it goes into the OT space. It goes into the networking team. And so we're working with multiple vendors and it's, you know, if, if my, if the OT engineers, right, the, the people who are actually making stuff, uh, and the network team come to me and say, hey, of the solutions that we looked at, we think this one's the best one. If it meets our requirements and it seems like it's it's a really solid security play, I'm they're they're going to make the decision, right? Because they'll support it. They're going to implement it. Why would I ever fight that? So I, I think that for the salesperson being aware that making it easy for the CISO to build support among other teams will probably help you get in the door faster than just marketing to the CISO directly. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like that. Like I, I found as well, like there are certain folks on my team that like when I get a pitch, I'm kind of interested in, they're kind of my, like my shit shields where I'm just like, Hey guys, take a look at this thing. Is it worth our time? Or is it going to be a headache for you in like six months? And that's really a lot because ultimately it's there to serve mm -hmm. them too, right? So if it's going to be their yeah. headache, I'm not going to be the fucking executive sponsor for that. Um, so my question <laughs> is this then, from a, from a brass tag standpoint, um, you know, being honest with your sales rep about where you stand, right? You know, your level of interest and how far you can carry the engagement. Um, do you find that you can get a lot more success from a, you know, um, We'll say a, a vendor relationship management standpoint, where if you're not in the right place at the right time to go forward on an engagement, but you're interested, do you potentially or do you provide them with like an estimated timeline of when you could potentially go forward based on, let's say, stakeholder conversations you've had internally or like what the budget summary is for the quarter, like whatever your variables are? Do you yeah. at least tell the salesperson, hey, now's not the right time? 
but I kind of like what you're talking about. Can you get a hold of me in two quarters because X, Y, and Z? Like, do you find that that's a preferred method? Yes, but with a uh, with a qualifier, um, and I'll so I'll tell you what that is. I used to when I would get I I I would get an outreach, and if I didn't want to talk to them today, I would say, "Hey, call me in three months." And then what I found is I was getting uh, yeah get hit up in three months, and I, it surprised I still didn't want to talk to them. Um, and so now if, if I'm interested, right, if I'm not interested, I'm not going to stall, right? It's, I'm not going to do the, like, it's not you, it's me. I just don't have time right now. I'm just going to be upfront and say, I'm really not interested or, or we don't have a good fit for that. So I, I've learned to be more firm in just the hard no. Um, and, and that's helped me a lot. So I do that most of the time. And then I'll reserve that there are a handful of cases where it's like, hey, that's not a priority this year. I'm really hopeful it's going to that it's something I can get in the budget next year and that I can fight for for next year. And I like what you're talking about. So let's talk in a quarter. We'll have a 15 minute, uh, right, a 15 minute connection in a quarter and I'll tell you where it's at. Um, but I will only I, so I do that. And I think it's I think it's fair and I think it's straightforward. Right. But I'll only do it if I actually want to talk to them now. Um, and, and one more guide, this is for me as a security leader, if you don't want to talk to them today, you're not going to want to talk to them in three weeks. And so right. I want to accept be very something. realistic about timelines. Yeah. Yep. 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 So if I, yeah, for me, if, if I, if somebody asked me, oh, coffee, dinner, lunch, if I'm not willing to do it tomorrow, I'm not going to be willing to do it in three weeks. And so I'll just say no, mm. recognizing that. I'm trying to be, I, I tend to be too nice, right? So I, I want to, I want to keep on the hook just in case I come around, but I've gotten a lot, a lot quicker to, to just dismiss it and say, no, I'm not going to want to do that. So. Yeah. I would say to listeners for a quick guide on how to handle that objection with class, go back to our episode with Nico uh, in terms of, you know, investing in the relationship long-term, not trying to pull out the objection handling and just, you know, again, like, what about next week, week after that? <laughs> you know, it's like, um, yeah. So this, this idea of the stakeholder engagement is really important. I think that, you know, again, BDRs, maybe new salespeople, there's like call into the CISO and just, you know, pile drive for that, like, you know, relentlessly, but, um, you raise a good point. You may have to kick it out for a quarter. It's not working at this time or something. So from this, from the vendor side, short of just bothering you, which is what we're not advocating here, how can someone you are working with and you do foresee kind of getting the project up and running, not this quarter, maybe next, maybe towards the end of the year, how can they help you continue to build the business case or work with you in a constructive and, you know, add value kind of way. It's a tough one. <laughs> I, I think it, I mean, it comes down a lot to what we're buying there too. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I think like for me, it's, it's understanding um, from a salesperson, right. I, that some of this goes back to approach. And, and for me, it's, I, I generally like to have an idea of the problem I'm trying to solve 
and what what my needs are before I start reaching out to any providers, to any vendors. And that way I'm defining the solution. They might surprise me with some upside capabilities, right? But I'm I'm defining kind of the what I really need out of it. Uh, and then calling, you know, calling around. And usually I'll go to the, to a handful of leaders, right? There's always, you know, you've got Gartner, you've got a couple other solutions where or or kind of places that you can go look to see. Mm-hmm. Who are the major players? Um, and for the most part, right, that's those are the people I'm going to go to. And I'll go to them with my requirements. I'm not going to be 100% transparent on the requirements because everyone's going to find a way to say, yes, we do that. Um, of course. Even if they really don't. And so I try to I try to do it more in like a questioning way. But but from the you know, from the provider side as a salesperson, I think some of it's just being available as we have questions come up over this, this process. Um, I, I think that, that being available to answer questions, you know, one thing, I guess an obvious one for me is the uh, doing the proof of concept or proof of value. Once we narrow to a short list of vendors um, and especially if you're in, in the fortune, I don't know where the, where the cutoff is right for, from a value standpoint, but giving me a free POC, helping me run it, helping me stand it up and showing me how easy it is, that can really prove out the value. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I think from your side, uh, George K, you probably only want to do that if they're like a really highly qualified sale and you feel really confident that you can go from demo to closing it. For sure. And I think you you subtly brought up a good point there, right? Stand it up, how easy it is to run. And then uh, George A, you made that you know, that point, like, I'm not going to go buy something if it's going to make my team's life harder. Right. And I, what I'm trying to get at is the change management is something that's often neglected, right? Cause we just try to sell towards the end value proposition, reduce mean time to detection, mean time to response. But like, if you got to like pull something out and retrain, it's, you know, that's a ton of work and it saps resources and you know I, to your point about being able to stand up a poc that can prove like okay live fire drill this is what it's like to run this thing low level lift whatever for the team i think that's really important yeah like like the big thing on that it's kind of um you know if you're let's say you're for example a seam vendor right seam is still the crown jewel of most security operations if you come in there you're like hey you should replace the thing you have what you're telling me operationally is, hey, you should buy my shit and do open heart surgery live on your entire security operation. Oh, and by the way, we'll give you consultants, but it'll be extra. And I'm just like, go oh, fuck yourself. No, thank you. <laughs> I, I, again, no, no. That, you have to you have to do the open heart surgery, but you gotta pay extra for the surgeons. It's gonna be cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like it's I'm just saying it's the kind of decision that just like I'm pretty sure this is one of those things that gets CISOs fired real quick. As soon as that budget sheet comes in at the end of the quarter, like you overexpensed what? And then you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the resourcing, right. Being aware that that's a big, it's a big thing for us. And, and my team, we've actually been working on this right now where we kind of rate our vendors of, um, is this one a strategic partner? Are they a commodity? Are they somewhere in between? Right. Mm-hmm. And switching costs are, are a major consideration. What does it take to rip and replace this? There, there's some that I think are really easy. And then, but you know, what you're saying is like the, you know, your, your event monitoring and stuff, man, you can't just pick up those logs and move them overnight. That's, 
that's not easy. And then retrain your whole sock on we, we we outsource that, right? But but training your responders on what to look at, where to look. That's a huge it's okay. gift, right? You're not gonna make that decision. Like, all you right? gotta all you gotta do is Indiana Jones it. You just get this one sim <laughs> and this sim and slip it out there. <laughs> it's a big deal Uh, yeah yeah yeah. um all right cool uh george a you get a last shot i guess for for my last crack at this um i guess you know you kind of talked on a little bit earlier like throughout doing this show what i've really come to realize and it could be because i i work in the online dating space um if you take out the infosec specific points in our episodes and like transcript this out this is like easily a show about dating. Like you could write a manual because <laughs> it's, it's the same damn thing. Selling and dating are the same damn thing. So my question to you is equip uh, our fellow practitioner friends and help prepare our sales friends. How do you say no without being an asshole, but making sure that the point gets hammered home? Because I've set, I've done the whole like just saying no thing and then they still keep trying to email you. So what do you have on tips for that? Which, by the way, everyone is antisocial behavior. But to your point, Mike, <laughs> correct it is antisocial behavior. Um, it's funny that you compared it to dating because I actually so I'll usually start pretty gentle, like oh, and and so there was one that that hit me up last week where they were like, and and DevOps, and I'm like, you know, if you if you look at my company, like it's all publicly available information, but we don't do a ton of internal development, right? We do some. But I don't have a massive DevOps infrastructure. I don't, I'm, there's not a market here for what you're selling. And that, I think, I think for the people who aren't really paying attention, they're just sending out mass emails, that scares them away pretty quick, right? Or they, they'll walk away with their tail between their legs pretty quick. On ones where, you know, and then it, you have a small percentage who go into overcoming objections, right? And they go into that script. And so if, if it's the second or third and I've said no, I, I actually recently replied to one and said, hey, man, no means no. <laughs> and, and I was, like I just I said it flat out. No means no. Right. Like I, I'm not I'm not just giving you soft rejection so that like, oh, the third time you try to overcome it, you're going to make the close. Like, what the hell do you think is going to happen here? Um, and, and so I, I said no means no. Everything you say from here out just makes you creepier in my eyes, and uh, and that <laughs> that ended that conversation really quick. Um, so it, I think it actually is a lot like dating in that sense, right? You you get to a certain point, like you are only hurting yourself from any future sales opportunities. So. Well, and yeah, to your point, as you said, Mike, they're going to move to a different company, but you're going to remember, you know, this belligerent. Aggressive. An incel is an incel, boys. <laughs> That's all I could say. Damn. Uh, it's a good time to close. It's a good time to close. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's the cherry on top. We got to close out after that. <laughs> um, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time on the weekend to, to dial in with us and uh, give us the lowdown. Really appreciate it. Really, I thought it was a really substantive conversation. Thank you. You bet, guys. Glad to be here. Um, looking forward. I'm planning to be at Black Hat this year, so I'll uh, I'll have to hook up with you guys out there. Oh, yeah. We're going to make that happen for sure. 
That's it for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a rating or a review and share on all your socials. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Wednesday. We're taking some time off next week, but we'll be back April 12th. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.